0: Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. And we're back. Costello Coaching Podcast with Tommy Costello and Andrew Rohrbach. Today, we are going to discuss a very loaded topic, and that is nerves. How to deal with them, how to work with them, and how each individual is going to feel different with them. So, Andrew, without further ado... Please get us going on this complex topic.
1: For sure. Um, Good to have you guys back. Uh, We will start with the citing of the sources. So what we're going to refer to is the John Hopkins article, which is titled five tips for overcoming sports performance anxiety. Um, There's going to we're going to dive deep into this. Uh, There's five different main points we're going to hit on. Uh, One is identifying when your student athlete or athlete is feeling anxious Two, acknowledging and normalizing these feelings of anxiety. Three, let's make a game plan. Four, remember to breathe. And five, let's let let's stay positive with this. So th- those are five key marks for this. But without further ado, let's get into maybe a personal story. Tommy, you got any personal stories to start this podcast off with? You know, you were a high-level athlete. You ever get nervous?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's When I think about pregame jitters, there's probably three specific games that come to mind. One game was a high school football game uh, going out to play quarterback. I I felt a certain level of nerves that I hadn't felt before. Didn't really know how to cope with them, and they were kind of going all day, and I actually just started researching stuff on my phone, which was probably not the best thing to do, but I came across a good article and I actually ended up listening to part of Pete Carroll's book which was all about competition and competing, and it really calmed my mind. So, I'm not saying that that was the fix, but I got to listen to Pete Carroll's voice, legendary football coach, and it kind of steadied steadied my focus, kept me calm, and I was able to go out and I actually had one of my best games in my life playing quarterback that night. Then the next one is my freshman year at Washington, I was stuck in the bullpen or as they say in baseball, get hot, which means that they want you up and ready to go. It was the fifth inning and I had to be up and ready to go. And I didn't get thrown in there until the 10th inning where we next in extra innings. And I went out there and of course the coach handed me the ball and said, just throw strikes. And I was shaking. I couldn't really feel the ground beneath me. I threw the first pitch. It was painted on the outside corner and ball. And I was, oh, then next pitch, same spot, ball again. And I, it could have very easily been 0-2 and it was 2-0. Next one, hook pull. Three L walked them. They came out. And they pulled me after four pitches. I was so rattled. I was so nervous. Like I spent so much time preparing, you know, from the fifth inning for the outing, and I just got jumbled up in those nerves. Yeah. And then one game that I wasn't nervous for, oddly enough, was a much bigger game. We we're playing against Stanford, and we we're at the Sunken Diamond, and they were number three in the country at the time and it was beautiful Saturday. I was hanging out in the bullpen, and the breeze was blowing, and I was relaxed. I could have took a nap. Mm. And the coach called down and said, hey, we need you ready for the hitter on deck. Okay. I get up. I throw two pitches. The hitter gets out in front of them. They call down to the pen. They send me in. I've thrown two pitches. For whatever reason, I wasn't nervous at all. I get the eight pitches that I throw out there. Mm-hmm. Left-handed hitter comes up, and The funny part is that guy I had played against in high school. And so the coach told me, he goes, just like high school. I was like, okay. And I was 88 on the corner, strike one, 88 on the corner, strike two, 88 on the corner, pop up, foul territory. He's out. I walked off the field and it was no big deal. One was against LMU who was not a great team I was extremely nervous for because I was in my mind I was thinking I was going in to pitch for three hours right the other one I had no time to really get my mind ready but I just knew I was good and that came later in the season it came like seven weeks later and I, I don't think I had any any appearances in between so I didn't pitch in a game in almost two months whoa which was crazy so anyways that was that was my journey with with nerves and then every other outing in between was just that normal pregame anxiety, excitement, uh, throw the first couple pitches in a football game. I would love to make contact. So within the first drive, I was going to, even if I shouldn't have hold it and rush it as a quarterback, just so I could ram my head right into the linebacker Yeah, and it would snap me out of it. And I would be able to go play, um, Something about just sinking into the game. I think the worst part is just thinking about the game out there.
1: Yeah, accepting. It seems like from that one outing that was really tough for you, you had really crazy expectations or the, the thought of expectations of how it was supposed to go, how you wanted to perform. And if it didn't work out that way, seemed like with that two O count that maybe should have been a 0-2 count, it rattled you and you didn't have radical acceptance of what s- situation you were in and it, it you got sped up.
0: Yeah, I think part of it too was the bullpen at LMU. The stands were right above it. And all my family and friends were there. And we had just came off playing a series against UCLA. I went down to the bullpen a couple of times, never went in against UCLA. And then we played them on a Monday night. And I was for sure going to pitch because all our pitchers were burned. And so I have this excitement that I get a pitch in front of my family and friends. And they're like watching me warm up from the fifth inning on. And I never went in. So, you know, and then when you do get the opportunity to go in, I was completely, you know, taken back.
1: Yeah. I wasn't really in it. That that makes total sense. I have, I have my own stories with it that we can get into in a little bit, but I think what you're hitting on is maybe the first part of understanding that you have nerves and nerves are normal for every athlete. They're normal for every single person in life and to negate them is part of the problem. So if you're nervous, there's good indication that you might be in the right spot in your life. You might be in the right situation and you might actually want to be in that situation. You just have Expectations and and that's okay. Yeah. It's totally fine to have that. And so part of the first step is acknowledging and accepting that you're anxious, nervous, have these scared thoughts that you might be fearful. That might help you ground yourself into them instead of going, "Oh no, I'm not nervous. No, I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm yeah." Not that's scared what so at many all. people say right, and that's you know it. It does help you. And there's there's things you can like check in with. Is is your jaw really tight? Are you you know, tense when you shouldn't be tense, right? These are things that you can look into your body and have, you know, acceptance of this is actually, oh, wow, my jaw's pretty tight right now. Oh, maybe I should like loosen that thing up or, oh man, my arms, like if we're talking baseball players or any competitive athlete, am I just way more tense than I should be? Do I have tools that I can go to in that moment to slow myself down and have acceptance of where I'm at? So something that I used to use in college was we... We talked about red light, yellow light, green lights. Mm. Green lights for me, I'm flowing. Everything's good. My body's feeling good. My mind is clear. I'm in my subconscious. I'm just out there doing it. And every athlete can relate to that. There's going to be times in your life where you are like, oh man, that game, I was just on that game. That's a green light for you. So, okay, cool. We got green lights. Yellow lights for me, when I was pitching at Long Beach State, as well as when I was with the Rockies. When I'd have a 2-0 count, I'd have to step off the mound and clear my clear my mind because that was a count for me that it could either get really sticky because I don't like 3-0 counts or I can go the opposite direction and I can get myself back into this count. I also had a yellow light in 0-2 counts. 0-2 counts for me felt like I have to, I don't want to make a mistake. I'm so far ahead. I don't want to throw a curveball that I should be balancing on the plate. For a strike and get hit you know at 0 o2 count yeah right and then a red light where i just couldn't like the crowd was in it i couldn't slow myself down i was shaking my back leg was bouncing i was nervous and i just the game was just sped up mm. so those are a couple of things you could do and, and find your yellow lights what those are for you where you're you're okay you're in an okay spot but at the same time you're getting a little sped up take a step step off the mound and this is baseball, but you can use it in every different sporting event, right? Or,
0: yeah, or or the real world. You're walking into a meeting, um, or you're you have a big interview coming up. Are you a red light, green light, or yellow light? And just know where you're at. And I think that helps create some space. Really, yeah. Everything when we talk about mindset is can we create space to become objective about what's happening. And I believe that subjective space is where you you don't have any space. It's all within. You don't know why. You're not taking any time to breathe and look at things. So that's, I think, as I've gotten onto the coaching side and I've helped athletes with this, obviously these, these sort of things that I'm teaching to people or are trying to perform would have helped me a ton, mm-hmm. but I'm able to grab some language for it. I think these complex topics like nerves, how do you quantify a level of nervousness? How do you quantify that, you know, just because your family and friends are in the stands and you're pitching against not that good of a team and you're extremely nervous. And I forgot to mention when I went in against Stanford, yes, they're number three in the country, but it was nine's like final game at the Sunken Diamond, which was their legendary head coach. So there were 7,000 people there. Yeah. It was packed and they were one of the best teams in the country, but I might as well been out at the park with 10 friends. Right. The way I felt. grip, mm-hmm. rip, throw, throw a heater and it's all good. You know, sometimes maybe you've gone into a massive meeting in your life or you're negotiating something and it's high intensity, but it could be just super simple to you. Yeah. No, it's this. No, it's that. Yes, that makes sense. Whereas maybe little things like some simple conversation you have with a loved one can be very stressful, create a lot of anxiety, create a lot of nerves. What's What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's right on it. I think what you're hitting on, and what my head is telling me right now, is doesn't matter what situation you go into, you can almost expect that you're going to have nerves for anything that has any weight in in your life. Anything, and what I mean by weight yeah. is like anything you care about. Yeah. Right. So if you're going into a meeting and it depends on like your finances, and you got to make this business deal so you can pay your bills, or you're pitching at Stanford, or I'm pitching against Vanderbilt, or. I got to pitch good on my last game at long beach state against university of Florida in the regional. And if I don't do well, like what round am I going to get drafted in next week, man? Right. So you can expect that you're going to have nerves and anything that you care about. And that that's great. Normalize that you have nerves, normalize that there can be anxiety around it. It's okay. That, that, that might mean you're in a good spot. The thing I think you're hitting on is no matter the situation you're in, make a game plan, make a game plan for whatever that is. And for me, that was making sure that the night before every start that I had, no matter if I was pitching against Wright State or Vanderbilt, my very first start ever as a pitcher in my entire life, I knew that the night before I had to listen to this one song. And this, I'm not going to name the song because it's part of it's inappropriate. The title, good, but it it helped me get out of nervousness, Andrew, and more relaxed, Andrew.
0: Rewind real quick. So yeah. your
1: first time you ever pitched in a competitive game was against. Vanderbilt. Yeah, number 1 team in the nation, yeah.
0: Oh my god, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I was I was a shortstop my whole life and I ended up getting Tommy John. I pitched uh gosh, one summer ball league. They were like, "Hey, anyone want to pitch?" and I was like, "Yeah, man, I'll do it." At that I think at that point I'd gone over 3 with 3 strikeouts, couldn't figure out how to hit to save yeah. my life. So I was like, "Before I just give up on this game, whatever, let me just go out there and throw." And so I went out there throwing as hard as I could, and I threw pretty hard. And so to make a long story short, I was like all right, I'm throwing 94, 95 miles an hour. Let me be a pitcher. Ended up getting Tommy John surgery. And then I came back from that at College of the Canyons in a junior college. And I was just not getting any Indians. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I went through this whole Tommy John rehab. So I just started throwing bullpens after bullpens when scouts would come out to watch our games. I was like, there's no way I'm going to play after this if I don't get a scholarship. So I'm going to just light it up in my bullpens and see if the scouts come over there and watch me. So I did that. And I got an offer from Gonzaga, Long Beach State, and then eventually kind of got an offer from CSUN, but I ended up going with Long Beach State. And so I'd never pitched before. I just knew I threw hard. So I worked my way that fall into the Saturday night guy or Saturday day guy role and our first opening series was against Vanderbilt with Dansby Swanson and uh, Fulmer and
0: legends uh, in college baseball. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, I went out there and I was nervous and I was nervous, but I had found a way to like calm myself into like, Hey, whatever happens happens. So I went out there, you know, in typical Andrew Rohrbach fashion struck out the side. I was like, wow, I'm good at this. <laughs> this is great. And I came out the second inning. I struck two guys out, you know, two innings, five K's I'm walking off the mound, dude. I'm the best pitcher that's ever lived. I was like, "There's no, I'm, I'm going to get drafted first overall this year." Yeah. this is crazy. That's the thought I had.
0: You really—that's what was running through. Your oh head? man, I was like the ego. Wait, was... so you were nervous though before the outing?
1: For sure, I was definitely nervous. But I mean, to get like deep into it, what actually helped me was there was a movie I used to watch, and um, inappropriate Tom, movie? No, that? not <laughs> inappropriate. Tom Hanks. Um, gosh, why can't I think of the name of the There's guy? There's a lot of those. Yeah, but it's the one where he's the kid. Run, Forrest, Forrest Gump. Okay, <laughs> sorry, guys. sorry, guys. Just dry. and I watched Forrest Gump, and I was watching it the day before the start, and I was like, man, that just like that grounded me. I was like, man, that's mm-hmm. just such a good feeling movie. Like nothing really matters. Life's just all about like connection and just having to. And I got myself into that, so I was I was nervous for it, but I kept going like, hey, whatever like Forrest Gump would do, just don't don't overthink it. The simple actually might get you where you want to go. Sure. Right? So I went out there, and then you know I told that story. Second inning, and then third inning, I go out there, and they put a five five spot on me, and I got pulled. Ooh! So I went from this crazy, like, "Hey, I'm kind of grounded. I'm a little nervous." To I'm the best pitcher that's ever pitched in a baseball game ever, and to oh wow, I'm pretty terrible. I just got destroyed. Like that just happened quick. So within an hour, your emotions and thoughts went all over there. Three, yeah, three to three four different emotions, and and to 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 go further with that. I was It was my third start, and I was pitching at Wichita State, and it was about six degrees. Yeah, freezing. And it, yeah, and we had a double header somehow. They didn't have lights or something like that, so it was a double header. Our Friday night guy pitched. We ended up losing that game, and they told me I had an hour in between each games to kind of get warmed up, and I had a whole routine. Right, I had my game plan on how I felt before. Yeah. And they we lost that game, and they were like, hey, just, you know, we're starting the next game in 15 minutes. Oh, boy. And I went, oh, my gosh. And I like, literally panicked for a second. And for some reason, I was... I went back to the Forrest Gump thing and I said, listen, it is what is it's going to be. I'm not going to do my Jagger bands. I'm not going to do this. It is what it is. You surrendered to it. I surrendered and I accepted what situation I was in. And I went out there and did a complete game shutout, nine strikeouts, crushed it. And I, from that point on, I'd like, it clicked for me. I was like, I just have to get my frame of mindset to go screw it. Whatever happens, happens. I did the work. I did the preparation. And that's mm-hmm. something I have to check in with myself. But I made a game plan of what frame of mindset I had to get into before I pitched and it was more of radical acceptance. Whatever happens, happens. I know what I'm doing. I know how to pitch. Let's just let the, the results happen. And it, mm-hmm. I didn't get flustered pretty much the rest of the season, except for a couple other times, you know, but I hadn't I had a game plan. I would step off, check in with my yellow lights, red lights, and I would also have focal points. I'd use a focal point. So I'd get off I'd step off the mound if I was my head was racing and I'd find the biggest tree I could see in the outfield Because at my home house, I used to play wiffle ball with myself and I'd toss a wiffle ball up and I'd hit it up against a tree. And there was a big tree that I'd always try to hit it up and halfway up that I made the rules up in my head was a home run. So as soon as I saw that big tree, it would ground me of like, hey, wiffle ball, wiffle ball, you're in your front yard, you're just playing wiffle ball, right? I just simplified it. So it wasn't like I was going, I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious right here. I was actually going, whoa, I'm nervous. Whoa, I'm anxious. Let me go to my tool belt. Mm-hmm. I have my yellow lights step off take a deep breath unclench my jaw you know shake out my right arm maybe find a focal point see something and this is all Ken revisa stuff who's a big sports psychologist but it, it really helped me
0: wow so you had actual technique and strategy behind what you were what you were doing to calm calm yourself absolutely see that's that's interesting because in one part You got to have tools and strategy on how you're approaching your situation that you're in. But then on on the second half of it, you don't want to become a prisoner to your routine. So it would have been very easy for you at Wichita State to fold the towel. Yeah. You know, it's six degrees. I didn't get my warm up in. It would have been really easy to roll over that outing, go throw three innings, not so good. And then just call it a day. Yeah. And you know, you could have chalked it up as yeah, I only had 15 minutes to warm up and it was six degrees, whatever. But for some reason you were able to kind of say, Nope, mm-hmm. it's going to be what it's going to be. Let's go. Let's go be me.
1: Totally. And I was only able to do that. I think it's important to, to say I was only able to do that because I had a track record of how to, how, I, how I operate. Like I, I was putting in the work. So we're talking self-talk. A lot of self-talk is really good for nerves. Hey, I've, I've done this before. I can do this. I can be there. I've, I've been in this situation before. It's, it's also a lot of, are you doing the work necessary to put yourself in the situation to be able to talk to yourself that way? Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show.
0: Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. So what's really cool is, you know, you can work with people if you have an awareness for what's going on within this psychology component of performance and nerves and dealing with nerves and, and how you feel. You know, it's really important to sometimes have information to fall back on, meaning maybe a book that you do really well with, maybe a piece of research that you've read or a video or a movie. You know, it could be as simple as you watching Forrest Gump and it gets you into that mindset. Maybe you didn't consciously know that at yeah. that point. At that point in your career,
1: definitely didn't. know.
0: but now with where you're at within the world of psychology, you definitely understand that that is what happened.
1: Yeah, and I understand why that movie was what it was for me, like what yeah. the message of that movie. Maybe meant why for it was me.
0: such a great movie. Why it was a
1: good movie.
0: People it, resonated with that. Yeah. So, anyways, I something I want to I want to give credit where credit is due is one book that had a massive impact with for me regarding. My Performance and My Mentality is a book that I've read about four or five times. And it's Dr. Bob Rotella's How Champions Think. He tells incredible stories in that book. He was a sports psychologist for many different teams. He's made his mark in the NBA, college basketball, but he's made his biggest impact in golf, which has got to be the most mental sport there is, right? Baseball being one of them, but golf, man. Oh, golf. Right? People get nervous playing golf with their friends. you know hanging out and going to play on the muni on a sunday afternoon they get nervous over looking over a putt
1: i have to be careful of like what friend i bring even if they're good friends really oh yeah like still yeah like you're kind of an intense guy you have intensity to you yeah and i would be just nervous to golf with you even if i knew what i was doing you would that would shake me up almost like maybe you know me pitching against vanderbilt or uh like the, yeah. I like it. I put a little pressure on you. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it up. See, this is every, This is the intensity I'm talking about right now. Yep. It's firing you up that you're in my dome. Right I now. love that. <laughs> I love that. So you,
0: you mentioned a psychologist that had an impact on you uh, throughout your career, uh, focal points. And could you share a little information on him?
1: Yeah. So his, his name is, or was unfortunately passed away in 2018, but Ken Revisan, he's, he has a PhD in this and he is world renowned. People know him from all walks of life, especially in the baseball community. But I, uh, had, I had a pleasure of being with him and when I'm my time at long beach state and he has these things called revisa isms. Uh, I'm gonna share a couple with him um, with you, but if you want to check his stuff out, it's Ken k e n r a v i z z a K E N R A V I Z Z a.com. So Ken has a couple that I think would be really good. Um, the first one, I think, Tommy, you really enjoyed this one, but here's a saying, are you that bad that you have to feel good to play well?
0: I love that one. I, I don't know why that hits me so good, because I'm going to use that. I've never heard it until you shared it with me before we started talking about this. Are you that bad that you have to feel good before you do this? Are you that bad? Right. I love that question. Yeah, It made me smile, but also it makes you sink in and think, no, I'm that good. Yeah. I can feel terrible and play good.
1: Yeah. It's confidence. I
0: kind of have that, not to get off track, I have that swagger in the gym where I know I'm that good at working out or if some guys want to push it one day and I had terrible sleep or I'm a little sick or I was out late the night before and had a couple drinks I know I could show up to the gym and dominate people. I'm that good that I know I could be that bad and still be that good. But why? Why are you that good? So many hours put in.
1: Yeah. So much
0: study into it.
1: Yeah. So you can't have, you can't be like a lot of of people get in trouble with that. And more time. Yeah. Go for it.
0: So like, okay, go back to University of Washington, right? Mm -hmm. I told you I had seven weeks in between the outing.
1: What'd you do in those seven weeks?
0: Well, I practiced so much, too much. I practiced, I practiced, I practiced. Was, I don't know. I could never look back at myself and tell myself that I needed to work harder at any point in my career. 99% of people can't say that. I can truthfully say, there is no time that I could have worked harder. And I say that with full confidence and certainty. Yeah. Now, what I do believe is more mound time, meaning in games. The guys that are the best are the ones that are in the lineup every day. So if this is where it's important for life. I'm so confident in the gym because Andrew, how many hours do I spend in a gym every day? A lot. A lot of hours. So, yeah, of course I'm confident in that space. I'm in it every day. So, if you want to get more confident in a spot, and this is this is organically happening for me this this revelation of understanding mm-hmm. from that quote, get in the spot more. Yeah. So, if you're on a team where you don't get to play a lot, get off that team. And that was the move I had to make. I I, I was at University of Washington, I made a move to a junior college and I pitched and I pitched and I pitched, I threw 85 innings, started once a week, would come in relief sometimes. And I had so much mound time that I became more confident.
1: Well, let me play devil's advocate here because not everyone's going to be able to just leave the situation. Like if if you're not getting mound time or if you're not in the space that you can be and you're not getting those reps, there's still an aspect that you can control the controllables. And how are you going to get better without having experience in the game? Like there is there's small things that you can do, right? You can, you can work on some meditation. You work on self-talk. You can, you can get on the mound and dry rep things. You have opportunities. You're not going to not be on the mound doing bullpens. You can use those as opportunities to prepare yourself and like it's a game. Yeah.
0: No, I I get that. That's, that's obvious to me. Maybe not to to all. Yeah. And that's what I was doing, but I was still nervous. Yeah. So definitely you got to get in the space more.
1: I I see what you're saying. No, no, no.
0: And I, I know what you mean by, well, what if you can't get in the space more? I mean, maybe it's as silly as something that was like creative that maybe sounds wild while you're in it, but not that crazy when you're out of it. What if I grabbed some hitters on my team that weren't getting a lot of at bats and we just ran our own live abs? Perfect. Yeah. You know? Get Would, creative. Yeah. Get creative about how to recreate the situation. So- you know maybe if you're in sales and you get really nervous about making sales calls,
1: uh sales call your friends.
0: Yeah, practice them. Get on the phone, call people, just call people, call people, call people. And then all of a sudden you get more ground time.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's what I'm attesting to. I yeah. understand there's a there's a double-sided coin to this. The one yeah, side you one can, side's change your environment that's completely not conducive to you, but yeah. also make sure you check the other side of the coin too of are you controlling everything that you can control? And if you are and it's just Clearly, an unhealthy environment for you, then maybe, yeah, that's the, that's when you kind of. So, back.
0: for the, for the nervous person or the person that has performance anxiety, the only reason that I, cause what happened with me is I overdid it in terms of, all right, well, I don't have any of this time. I'm going to study this team. If I come in and pitch against them, I'm going to do visualization. I'm going to do breathing. I'm going to do all this. And it compounded and made me more nervous. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to overdo it Sure, if you're not getting the chances and jeopardize it, but do more competitive things. That would be my advice to myself now. If I was back in that situation in college, I'd say, just go do more competitive things and gain your swagger by doing more competitive things rather than trying to do so many analytical things. I understand what you're saying. So if you're an analytical thinker and you get nervous in performance and you start having performance anxiety, move away from analytical thinking and move into competitive thinking. Yeah. So play a game of, of checkers or tic-tac-toe or something that's going to get your competition spirit back involved. I totally, I agree. Do you like that? that? I, I like that. That's kind of where that. my heart's feeling. That's the language I could put behind what I'm feeling.
1: Yeah. And I think that's also, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but that's controlling and controllable. Okay. You're not getting it somewhere. Find, find, yeah, the find your
0: competitive spot.
1: Yeah. I'll, before you just go, this isn't the right environment for me. They don't understand me. Right. Because I think a lot of kids do that. And a lot of people do that, not just baseball players, but they're really quick to go, Hey, this environment's not working and they don't understand me. I'm out. Like, are you, check in with yourself first, just like if you're on the mound and the environment gets too big for you, bases loaded, nobody out. What are you going to do in that situation? You're going to go, well, this sucks. I, I was, I came in the seventh inning. I don't have a clean inning. I got bases loaded. Are you going to be like, this environment's too bad for me? I don't want to be in it. No, you, you have moments in there that you can control. And have you done the preparation you can to find the competitive outlet, to find it, to, to make it fun and to find your breath, and do you have your focal points? Have you, have you developed a routine that will help you in those situations? And so that, that's, that's kind of my point on it, I guess.
0: I love it. Well, there was so much there, and there, there's 20, 30, 40 hours of conversation. So if you grab anything from it, I hope you enjoyed our stories, but you could visit KenRevisa.com. And you could check out the book, How Champions Think by Dr. Bob Rotel. And I believe there will be a ton of great information in there for you guys to grab and work within. So I hope you learned something today. and We'll be back next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives.